I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We've been having a look through some of your emails. I've just had one from Philippa that says, last night she saw a piece of theatre that was so brilliant, she simply has to recommend it to us. She says, it's called Two Man Show and it's on at the Soho Theatre. The company is called Rash Dash and is comprised of three talented women. The show is about patriarchy and gender norms and miscommunication. And there's beautiful music and dancing and it's really meta. I can't stop thinking about it. And she said it struck her as something we might enjoy. So that's on until the 1st of October. So that's only a few days. So any listeners who are in London and get a chance to go and check out Two Man Show, that is its name, then do. Yeah, that sounds really good. We've also had another recommendation from Tracy in Canada, who points us towards the TV show Being Erica, all about the titular character Erica, who is 32 and having trouble in her life when Dr. Tom, a therapist, shows up and asks Erica to write a list of her biggest regrets. She's then transported back in time to each of those moments so that she can make better decisions to fix her life. And of course, there are lessons she can take from each mistake to apply to her current day situation. (laughs) This sounds like amazing wish fulfillment. Yeah. Because, you know, who among us has not thought how great it would be if you could go back in time and redo something? Yeah, that's a really fun premise. It sounds silly, but also good. Yeah, so I definitely want to give that a try. And uh, I am generally really appreciative when listeners from other places tell us like what they're enjoying because i feel like social media is so hit and miss like sometimes you know all of australia is loving x but sometimes you just don't and like always assume we don't know and tell us (laughs) listeners yeah we probably don't so the first thing we're going to talk about this week is tv yeah we thought we'd do like a fun preview of autumn tv the stuff that is either not out yet or that is out and we just haven't had a chance to watch yet yeah because this season now between now and christmas is like the biggest time for television right yeah, it's, it's when huge. all the big new shows and it's this isn't just britain by any means this happens in america and other countries too all the big expensive shows get premiered around now like mid to late september and then they run through till Christmas or a bit beyond. Because I guess this is the time when everyone like stays inside because it's cold and they're a bit sick. <laughs> you might be able to hear that in some of our voices this week. <laughs> yeah, so I'll kick us off with something that I haven't actually started watching yet, but really, really want to, is Atlanta. 
Yeah, I feel the same. I've heard so many good things about this show. Yeah, so it's a US-based show. It stars Donald Glover. And it's, from what I understand, it's kind of like a portrait of a city. He's one of those people who really hits that boundary between funny and really dark and sad. And I think that's sounds like it'll be exciting in this show. Yeah, and what's particularly made me excited about this, so I am a big fan of the sitcom Community, mm. which Donald Glover starred on for, I think, five of the seven seasons. It was really sad when he left after season five, I think. Not because his character wasn't integral to the show or because he wasn't enjoying me on it but because basically he was like I want to pursue other projects I want to do other things and things that Donald Glover have done since Community include being in Magic Mike XXL (laughs) doing some really good music and now Atlanta I'm really up for all of those things and so I feel like that was a really excellent decision he made and Reggie Yates was like you have to watch it it's amazing oh I forgot about that it comes Reggie Yates endorsed guys so So we've got to check it out. So the thing that I'm really excited for this season is Insecure, which is from Issa Rae, who Mm. some of you will probably know from her web series about the misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. And then she got basically signed up to do this full series. As so many of these sort of lead actors who write their own shows do, it's one of these series that centers around a fictionalized version of Issa Rae. And it's basically her like grappling with, you know, the difficulties of being like the only black woman at her job. And yeah, I think it looks really, really fun. Yeah, exciting. Another one that I'm really keen on, and I had already heard good things about this. And then I heard an interview with Ava DuVernay on the Another Round podcast. Ava DuVernay, who wrote and directed Selma and various other things. She's the, the mind behind a new TV show called Queen Sugar about a family in Louisiana where... I think it's like the sort of patriarch of this massive Southern family has died and everyone is trying to like keep it together and keep the sugar plantation running. And it's basically like a kind of family drama. I've seen people saying it's like the Black Sopranos, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm really excited for that because also just the the way... Is it like serious heavy drama or... I think so. Okay. But having not watched it, I'm not entirely sure. But I think it's definitely on the dramatic end of the spectrum. So yeah, I'm really excited about that because... I would highly recommend all listeners go and find this Ava DuVernay on another round. It was, I think, the last episode but one. She is just one of those people who speaks in amazingly quotable sentences like she's written it out like an essay and it just happens to be reading it spontaneously. Yeah, well, she's obviously extremely talented and is just at the absolute top of her game. So I'll have to listen to that podcast. It sounds, yeah, sounds like a classic of the another round genre. I think probably the thing that I'm most excited about this tv season of course is the much anticipated revival of gilmore girls which we're definitely going to do uh, in more detail and hopefully have lots of exciting things coming around that time i just have no idea what to expect i think they're all dropping at the same time all for like hour long yeah so i am a recent gilmore girls convert i've only started watching it in the last Yay. few months because you made me Yay. and i say made in the best possible <laughs> way i don't mean in a bad way i actually held a gun to her yeah. head listeners but just fill me and everyone else in on what these specials are it's four new episodes set back in stars hollow they like reassembled the old set of the original series which ran from like 2001 to 2007 or something and they are set over four different seasons so they're called like summer winter spring and fall they haven't given much clue as to what the plot's going to be or anything like that but all we know is that they're set in stars hollow and 
everyone that you liked before is in it. Melissa McCarthy, Milo Ventimiglia, and of course, yeah, Rory and Lorelai and Emily. So I'm really, really excited, but I'm just trying to keep my expectations at a happy medium because you don't <laughs> want to go in with ridiculously high expectations and then have them dashed. But the thing that like hardcore Gilmore Girls fans are excited about is that these are written by uh, Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband who wrote the original first six seasons of Gilmore Girls. But then due to disputes over contracts were not involved in the seventh season of Gilmore Girls, which many fans felt was a departure from what they loved about the original show. So it's sort of an opportunity to get closure again. And there was a lot of build up about the last four words of the show. She said when she pitched the show, she already knew the last four words. And she had been thinking about it the whole time. And it was this thing fans were waiting over so yeah. many series. And then she was just axed from the last <laughs> series and we never got them. And now we're going to have them. And the last four words of this series will be what she originally wanted to be the last four words. And no one knows what they're going to be. And there are great lists out there of like suggestions <laughs> for the last four words. I just got so excited while you were talking. Like the last four, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I love when there's like a showrunner or something says something like, it's like what's it going to be? I yeah, have to know. Exactly. Exactly. So everyone's really excited and it is at least it is one of those revivals where you know that every everything you liked in terms of the component people of the original series will all be working on it. So I think that's quite, a, you know, it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, so definitely listen out for more chat about that. Yeah, there will be much coming. Another thing that I am sort of curious and preemptively sceptical about is a new adaptation of the Douglas Adams novels um the Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency novels mm. which were adapted for BBC4 a few years ago starring oh, that passed me by Stephen Mangan of Greenwing yep fame yep. which i think they got kind of panned i quite liked them because i think mostly because i like the Dirk Gently stories and i like Stephen Mangan i was going to say this it sounds like quite a carolina yeah, show yeah they did not they were not popular um <laughs> i think partly because if you're not familiar with the Dirk Gently stories they're they're basically like Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, also wrote this other smaller, weirder, if possible, series about a man called Dirk Gently who solves crimes through time travel, basically. <laughs> Such a great name, isn't it? Dirk but Gently. unlike Hitchhiker's Guide, everything else about Dirk's world is totally mundane and normal. So he lives, you know, like on an earth you recognise apart from this weird thing that all of his cases somehow involve like time travel or something. <laughs> That's great. He himself has no control over the time travel. It just sort of happens. And, you know, so he's quite shit and shambolic. They are redoing this, I think, for BBC America, starring, wait for this, Samuel Barnett and Elijah Wood. No way. Yes. That's so funny. Samuel Barnett of the History Boys of fame. Posner in the History Boys fame. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think he's playing Dad. And Elijah Wood of... Elijah would have, you know, th those films Peter Jackson directed <laughs> fame. Those ones. Love the way, like, of history voice I know. fame. I can see where, like, also those massive blockbusters Elijah Wood was in. <laughs> so, yeah, those are relevant too. Yeah. So from the trailer, it looks like, I'm not really sure who Elijah Wood is playing. I think probably Dirk Gently's friend, whose name I've forgotten. But um, in the trailer, he's, like, done up as a bellboy in a hotel. So I th I'm guessing they've taken some liberties with the story. Okay, weird. But yeah, so... Exciting. Interesting, interested and preemptively sceptical about that. 
I think the the only other thing that I'm sort of keeping my eye out for is, apart from all my standard things that I watch, you know, like The Apprentice, very excited for that, that kind of thing, is Black Mirror's coming back, but mm. it's transitioned to Netflix. I love a good, good, like, channel transition and to see how that affects things. You're such a media nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to Netflix and in, Black Mirror usually used to come in out in threes, I feel yeah. like. And now it's coming out in, well, they commissioned 12. What? But there's six dropping at one time. Really? A lot, right? It's going to be a lot. And Black Mirror for me falls into this uncomfortable space between being like good and like genuinely like, whoa, and then a bit like, mm, make you think, what if humans mm. are phones? <laughs> and you're like, mm, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're all adults here. It's, it's not still so bad. Charlie Brooker writing it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like a crazy cast sort of signed up to it. So. Um, one of them has Gugu Mbatha Raw. One of them has Game of Thrones actor Jerome Flynn. One has James Norton. What? I know. Of Grant Chester fame. Our very own Grant Chester is starring in Nosedive, which is an episode about like how social media has changed the landscape, which could be like oh. terrible. Mm. <laughs> it could be good. I don't know. Michaela Cole. Chewing oh, gum. really? Apparently she's in it very, very briefly, but she said it was the most amazing part she'd ever played. I'm excited, but I'm also, part of me is a bit like, oh, is this going to be a bit, you know. Oh yeah, is this going to be like when British things go American and they make them bigger and not necessarily better? Yeah, and there are already some moments in Black Mirror where you're a bit like, oh, we get it. The future is just women attached to exercise bikes and porn. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, all right, guys, calm down. It's not the end of the world. Um, But then some of them actually are quite like, uncomfortable and and genuinely scary Mm. i remember the christmas special this year was like truly terrible yeah all i can remember was someone getting beaten over the head with a snow globe that was like a (laughs) metaphor for something else and that's how the viewer felt like being pounded with all the metaphors just like repeatedly (laughs) we'll see which side of the divide this this recent Mm. reincarnation of black mirror falls I also have something that I want to mention, not because I'm particularly looking forward to it, because, but because I, I want to kind of hate watch it, mm-hmm. at least some of it, which is Woody Allen's first TV show. He's doing it for Amazon Prime or whatever it's called. Oh. And it's called Crisis in Six Scenes. I feel like, incidentally, just sidebar, Amazon Prime is where like men who have been discredited go to do television. Because isn't it where like the old Top Gear people live now? Jeremy Clarkson and the gang hang out on oh Amazon, God. and now Woody Allen does too. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but like I have ambivalent at best feelings about Woody Allen and his work. Yeah, I sort of have a hard no watch policy mm. these days. I don't have quite a hard. I have a hard no watch policy on his new shit films. Mm. I have rewatched some of his old ones. Yeah. But I am curious to watch this, mostly because Miley Cyrus is in it. Yeah. I mean, I quite like her. I quite like her too. And I am interested in, like, her coming back to acting, basically. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see how she's, like... I'm sure her style will have developed since the Hannah Montana days. Yeah. And also just... What on earth does Miley Cyrus directed by Woody Allen look like? Oh, God. You know, I have no idea. I really want to know. So, yeah, that's something that I'm not even promising I'm going to watch a full episode, but I definitely want to watch. dip your toe into like, the water. maybe 20 minutes of it. And, cool. uh, yeah, also, I feel like it's going to be a fairly mega media event. Woody Allen does TV. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll probably touch on that again. There'll be a lot of male think pieces about how now TV truly is the genre of the intellectual. Oh my god, do you think anyone would will write that piece, the update of that piece that everyone was writing about 10 years ago, that if Shakespeare was alive today, he'd, he'd be, be writing... He'd be on TV! He'd be, no, no, it was if Shakespeare was alive today, he'd be writing for HBO. 
because it was about oh, when the God. wire was just really popular and was like oh it's so shakespearean ah, righty men do you think now it'll be like if shakespeare was alive today he'd be writing for amazon <laughs> <laughs> shakespeare the true netflix connoisseur yeah Something i don't like know that. yeah mm. jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're out on the road, feeling lonely and so cold, all you have to do is call my name and I'll be there on the next train. Now we're going to talk about the ITV TV series Victoria, which has been on for about six weeks now. It stars Jenna Coleman in the titular role of Victoria, and it's a drama about the first few years of the young Queen Victoria's reign. The messenger from Windsor is here. The King breathed his last at 12 minutes past. I will do my best, Papa. She is out of her depth. The strain is too much for her. I'm afraid. I know, ma'am. But I also know how much courage you have. Yeah, she looks like the little porcelain dolls she carries around, doesn't she? Yes. She's just so, like, ridiculously perfect looking. She's 18 when she accedes to the throne. Apparently so. Okay. Uh, The history lesson that I have (laughs) learned from Victoria. (laughs) And it starts basically with her finding out that her uncle is dead and that now she's queen. And then it goes on from there. So I feel like if you, A, went to school in Britain slash studied some British history... Or B, watched the recent film The Young Victoria starring Emily Blunt. The plot events of this series are going to be fairly familiar to you. It's, you know, her struggling with her controlling mother. Mm-hmm. It's her, like, trying to come of age politically to, like, become a monarch of a like, socially divided country. It's her, like, 
marrying Prince Albert. You know, those are the main events of her kind of first five years or so. Yeah, I actually don't really know anything. I'm sure that there were Victorian periods I did at school, but I don't really feel like I'm that well acquainted with the history of this period. So I'm sort of like, ooh, who's she going to pick? <laughs> um, so it's quite fun. I am really enjoying the prime minister monarch dynamic that they've sort of gone for. They've gone for a very, I assume, sensationalised and not actually true like suggestion that Queen Victoria wanted to get into the pants of current prime minister William Lamb. Yeah. Uh, which I Lord assume Melbourne. Is, is not true. I don't think so, no. But he is played by Rufus Sewell. And when Rufus Sewell is in your TV show, you have to suggest that women want to have sex with him because otherwise it's not realistic. Yeah, very true. <laughs> It's sort of like this theory I have about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers films that they always have to play characters who are actually dancers in them. Yeah, otherwise you're like, come on, guys. Because they're too good at dancing, even for like the hyper real world of a musical for them to be normal people. So that's my theory about Rufus Sewell, that like... Strong theory. He has to, you have to like show women wanting him because it's just unrealistic and they would anyway. So then what they've created is this character who's like absolutely laughable because it's all like, yeah, I hear he has a bad reputation. He like loves women and then he's presented with like the most perfect woman in the world who's also queen and also like so bangable and also desperate to sleep with him and he's like no i am too noble <laughs> yeah <laughs> sleep with you even though i am a widower no i it's couldn't dumb. and also what they don't go into at all which i feel like was a total waste is that so his wife was lady caroline lamb of byron the, fame. like running off with byron and being obsessed yeah, with byron infamy. fame they do mention that they do mention it very slightly but like she's like you weren't you didn't mind when your wife went ran off with byron and he's like i did mind <laughs> but i forgave her because i am noble and she's like i wouldn't i wouldn't have forgiven her and he's like well you're just so young you don't understand nobility and that's it and then they sort of leave that plot line to die yeah which is a shame because i feel like rather than just constantly alluding to his bad reputation they could be like here is the reason he's infamous his wife ran off with byron he had a load of affairs with other people yeah it was a whole mess also that would probably have been a more interesting tv show mm. the many affairs of lady caroline lamb very much so yeah <laughs> instead we get jenna coleman's like very sort of moon-faced version of Queen Victoria. Moon-faced is the accurate, yeah. Yeah, which she's actually okay. I like, think she's pretty I good. I think she's yeah. pretty good at it. It's just that this is so clearly ITV's like Downton follow-on Sunday night period drama mm. that the script is really quite leaden and they've inserted lots of like downstairs with the servants moments, I think, to, you know, remind us that that's what we liked about Downton. I'm pretty sure that there was a glove plot line in the first episode of Victoria that is like scene for scene, a Downton Abbey plot line. Oh yeah, that's the whole very... like, I will take responsibility for the things going missing in yes, downstairs. Yes, right, almost definitely something that happened in Downton Abbey. Yeah, but even just having a plot line about gloves at all is very Downton Abbey, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I like... mean, there's something familiar about it, isn't there, which mm. immediately endeared me, even on a subconscious level, without me thinking like, oh yeah, I could watch this. I was like engaged, I think purely because it's like familiar. I could perhaps imagine myself sitting there with a glass of wine and then as soon as it was over getting in the bath. Like yeah. it's very much already slots into a period of your life, a routine that you have very, very seamlessly. So it almost doesn't even need to be good because it does no, that. No, quite. Some of it is so bad, it's funny. Like I particularly enjoyed the episode where she's like courting with Albert and he's really grumpy and doesn't particularly want to have to marry his cousin 
the rule is that because she's queen she has to ask him which she finds like really awkward and stupid and there are just all of these incredibly dramatic moments where they're like starting to have feelings like my favorite one which is where they're dancing and she's wearing these flowers and he suddenly stops in the middle of the dance floor they're like waltzing so they're standing in the middle and you get the amazing aerial shot of like all the other couples still waltzing around Mm. them and he's like those flowers are like the flowers my dead mother used to wear (laughs) and so she takes them like out the front of her dress and is like would you like to have them Have the dead mum and then flowers. He, and then he takes them and then he reaches down and he gets a knife out of his boot and then he rips like he slices his shirt open puts the flowers inside his shirt and then like holds his hand over and is like i shall keep them here by my heart <laughs> oh um, my god it's so classic isn't it it's just like of course he had a knife in his boot how rugged of course he used it to undress himself yeah also i'm not going to go into too much detail but that is not the only time in that episode <laughs> that albert uses his knife to like slash his shirt to bits wow I mean, come on, Albert. We get what this is the symbolism for. Lots of knives in sheaths. Yep. With bits like that. Again, it has the kind of melodramatic ridiculousness of Downton Abbey. Yep. So you're quite right. It's something we're totally accustomed to in the same way that I haven't really watched EastEnders properly for about five years, but I could definitely like tune in tomorrow and feel exactly like I knew yeah, what was going it's on. Just like, it's just like an old favourite blanket. Yeah. It's just seamless. So if you need one of those for winter, yep. Victoria is a good shout. So last week, I recommended to Anna that she read A Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. And we also put out a call for anything from you listeners about this book, you know, whether it's affected you particularly deeply, what you think of it. And we've had this great message from Erica, who writes that my mum was in a car accident when I was a young teen and her best friend and my godmother type figure died. For me, a lot of Joan Didion's writing was at the time removed by a degree of separation, but I felt like I could see my mum going through the similar paths of magical thinking after her accident. My dad and I also grieve but in different ways than my mum, and I think that's why that this book is so important. She goes on to say a lot more about it, which we don't have time to read here. So thank you very much for your message, Erica. And you did really highlight a very important theme of the book, which is, you know, it's a, essentially a grief memoir. It's Didion writing about her thought processes in the aftermath of her husband's sudden death, but also the different ways that different people experience grief Mm. and even the different ways that like one person can experience grief at the same time. So Anna, what did you think of it? Yeah, it was really interesting. In a way, it it really sets the the tone for a lot of the sort of memoirs that are coming out now. Like I was thinking of the Argonauts Mm. and other things that we've discussed on the podcast which are a real mix of like, this is from my personal life and then theory. Like, I think doesn't Maggie Nelson call the Argonauts something like autocrit or something? Like this idea that it's autobiography and critical theory and everything else at once. And Didion sort of dips in and out of like scientific books on grief and like a book of etiquette that talks about how you should deal with a grieving person or Freud or something you know it's a real mix of like different types of writing on grief and then her own personal reflections and also there's lots of like poetry and stuff like that quoted in it as she's like touching on to all these different sorts of literature there's a nice line in it where she says from when I was a child I learned that in times of trouble you just go back to the literature 
And that's what she does the whole time through this book and writes herself through it. Yeah, and there's the added layer of the fact that obviously she herself and her husband were writers. So sometimes the books she's going back to are their own books. Yeah, so there's a book that her husband wrote that has a sort of figure based on their daughter um, called Cat. And sometimes she refers back to bits in that as well, doesn't she? And I think it's amazing as a document that's sort of written at the time of the grieving Mm. because her husband dies in late 2003, I think. And then the book is sort of set and written throughout 2004. And then it came out in 2005. So it is this weird sort of time capsule in a way that really a lot of the time she's reflecting because she goes back and back and back to the night when her husband died and immediately after but in a way it's just extremely raw because it's still from that immediate Mm. period yeah so even though she's writing in the past tense about all the people who are in the house the weeks after and the people who like bring her food and eat meals with her and all this kind of stuff there's and even in the past tense about her feelings like i felt like this i felt like that but you sort of know as a reader that it's still written Mm. in the grip of some extreme grief the kind of circular nature of it as well as you say like she keeps coming back to the night and examining the events and i guess the kind of journalistic instinct in her goes for research so she wants to see the post-mortem report she wants to see the like ambulance log she wants to reconstruct every single detail of it because what she eventually admits to herself and this is what the title alludes to this part of her even a subconscious part that thinks that if she can assemble all of the facts he will come back yeah and there's a great bit where she talks about finally deciding to get rid of his clothes which was Mm. something that was difficult for her and she's like she couldn't bring herself to get rid of his shoes because if he didn't have any shoes how would he be able to come back well you know when she realizes that she's thinking this way the lack of logic in the thought process doesn't make the thought go away Mm. she can recognize that it doesn't make sense but that doesn't mean that she can get rid of the thoughts and i'm sure a lot of people who've been through those sorts of slightly deluded feelings when you're grieving somebody can relate to that that idea that you're like well i know this doesn't make sense but i'm still thinking and feeling it i can't just like put it in a box (laughs) Mm, well i've heard people say all the time that someone they love dies and they still find themselves years later like picking up the phone and partly dialing their phone number Mm. to tell them something before they realize oh no actually put that down again yeah and she says at some point in this book like after he died the first thing i thought was well i must tell john yes (laughs) it's like no no it's him that has died (laughs) Yeah. yeah which is just sad and funny and terrible. And also I think it's funny how much she talks about the idea of grief coming in waves Mm. and she writes in this very circular, rhythmic way throughout the book and that sort of reflects that, I think, a little bit. Her writing is just so brilliant. There are so many, you know, things that you want to furiously underline, probably about six on every page. Mm. She makes it look effortless, but there's just so much going on. There's so many layers to everything and yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's a fantastic book, so I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Thank Uh, you so much for recommending it to me. So uh, what are you going to give me for next week? So for next week, I have got a recommendation for you that actually comes not from me, but from a good friend of mine and regular Seriously listener called Harriet. And she recommended something that she said, oh, have have you done this on the podcast? Because it seems like a really Caroline thing. And I was like, hello, going to (laughs) steal this one. (laughs) And it's called The Bletchley Circle. And I'm sure you've heard of it. It was on ITV, I think, 2012. And it went over to the US via PBS. Anyway, it stars Anna Maxwell Martin in a lead role (gasps) as Susan Gray. After her service during the war, Susan Gray begins life as a homemaker and the mother of two young children. So she's been involved in the sort of Bletchley, you know, code-breaking, famous, famous thing. And then 
she as this seems to come up in a lot of stuff we talk about she's one of these women who took on a really really important job during the war and then after the war was sort of told to like go home and forget about it (laughs) Um, and she basically starts using her ability to sort of investigate and spot patterns in crimes i think it becomes because she overhears one on the radio or something and she's like hang on the police don't seem to have quite figured this out so i think it's got all the elements of the things that Mm. you love sort of wartime strong women lady detectives lady detectives crime you know mysteries unfolding also one thing that uh, my friend said to me is apparently the fashion in this show is really really good i was about to say the clothes i'm already imagining the clothes so apparently the clothes are obviously all inspired by the period in which it's set which is like 52 to 53 Mm. or something like that but all of their clothes are not sort of like floral prints or like, you know, weird apple prints or something of the 50s. But they're all inspired by like geometric shapes and graph paper and stuff to reflect their like maths. <laughs> this sounds great. <laughs> Isn't that so amazing? So, yeah, I think it definitely seems like a Caroline thing. So I'll try and watch it. You try and watch it and we'll reconvene. Yeah. So thank you, Anna. And thank you, Harriet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and they should be listening to it too. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.